I once lost seven pounds in one day simply by replacing my bathroom scales. You know, with so many things giving our grandchildren false readings and measurements around it, it's nice when they have someone they know they can depend on. That was Tim Kimmel speaking at the 2017 Legacy Grant Parenting Summit in Rockwall, Texas. We'll hear more from Tim in a moment, but first, welcome to Legacy Grant Parenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. I'm Wayne Rice, Conference Director for the Legacy Coalition, and I'm joined by my co-host, Larry Fowler, who is the founder and CEO of the Legacy Coalition. Larry, uh, you've known uh, Tim Kimmel for quite a while. I know I, I've I've been a good friend of, of Tim's for quite a few years, but uh, Tim has also been a, a real good friend of the Legacy Coalition, a, a great supporter of what we're doing here uh, right from the beginning. Um, in fact, uh, uh, Tim was one of the very first people to really do anything on grandparenting that I, I recall. I mean, there were a few others, but but Tim's kind of a pioneer in this whole area. Well, he was. And uh, yeah, I've known Tim uh, for a few years. Uh, uh, I think my first engagement with him was that we were both part of a project by Focus on the Family to develop a video series for parenting. Uh, he was already a veteran and talking a lot about grace-based parenting, and that was his role. <laughs> it was my first time ever doing anything like that. I was the newbie of the group, but uh, I really appreciated getting to know Tim at that time. And then when we started talking about grandparenting, I remember uh, even before we started our ministry, the Legacy Coalition, uh, Tim and I were at the same conference together, and we sat down and had coffee, and I shared with him my passion and concern for grandparenting because at that time he was one of the only people that had any materials out uh, in a video format on grandparenting. When we looked for stuff on where's, where's there anything on grandparenting, his video series at that time was entitled Extreme Grandparenting, and he had a book by the same title. That was That was really pioneering. He was the only one that had a video series uh, back in, say, 2014, about the only one that had anything on grandparenting. Yeah, he's been involved in uh, family ministry for years. He started an organization called Family Matters, and um, and his emphasis had been primarily on marriage, you know, just helping, uh, yeah. helping couples yeah. uh, uh, with their marriages. And then he, he really kind of moved into the into parenting a lot more, doing a lot of parenting uh, things. And then uh, I think uh, he was gifted with some grandchildren <laughs> and it suddenly opened up mm -hmm. a whole new, a whole new realm of, uh, for, uh, for he and his wife, Darcy. And so they, they put something out on, uh, on grandparenting and um, it was, it was different at the time. It was called, like you say, it was called extreme grandparenting. And uh, the title may be a little bit misleading, but he's he's recently come out with that same curriculum, only they revised it just recently under a new name. And so the the new name of uh, of the curriculum, it's a video curriculum, is is now called Grace Based Grandparenting. In fact, um, his whole organization has really focused on on grace, and I think it was. It stemmed from a book that, that Tim wrote, uh, you know, grace-based uh, 
parenting, uh, just because so much parenting, I think, of the past had always been very authoritarian, authoritarian, and uh, condemning and controlling and all of those negative mm-hmm. ideas. And uh, and Tim wrote a book on on parenting that just took a whole different approach. And I think now he's he's really uh, just moved his whole uh, ministry more towards uh, the whole idea of of grace based parenting, grace based marriages, the whole thing. So it's pretty cool. well. And that's a that's a one that's a wonderful theme. Uh, it certainly is something that we are passionate about too. But he's so articulate and. Uh, in communicating it. Uh, you know, he's, Wayne, you've got him to speak at our conference, our Legacy Grandparenting Summit twice. Yeah. And so, like you said, he's really been a friend of us all along the way, been a great encourager as we started our ministry. So we really appreciate him. Yeah. And he's a fun guy. You know, I've, I've hung out yep. with him at different times. And when he, when he speaks, he's really, you know, the term motor mouth really applies to Tim Kimmel. I mean, he, he's able to, to pack more information into a small amount of time than anybody I know. <laughs> and he does that. He does that with this talk that we're going to yep. listen to. Um, but let me introduce him. Tim Kimmel is the founder and executive director of Grace Based families, formerly uh, Family Matters. For many years, Tim and his team have developed resources for parents, grandparents, and churches on how to work together to build relationships, make disciples, and strengthen families. Not only is Tim a well-known speaker, he has authored many best-selling books, including Grace-Based Parenting, Grace-Filled Marriage, and uh, the new one that we've just been talking about, Grace-Based Grandparenting, which is a book and a video series. Tim and his wife, Darcy, have four children and, and I believe at last count, uh, six grandkids. So here now is Tim Kimmel speaking at the 2017 Legacy Grandparenting Summit. The biggest thing we should be able to offer when it comes to a relationship with our grandchildren, is, is a heart connection that is defined by God's heart of grace. Like what, what we like to call grace-based grandparenting. And, 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 and we want to be grandparents who are always guided by God's truth, but at the same time, consistently tempered by his grace. And I can define what I mean by grace-based parent, grandparenting in one sentence. And that is simply, treat our, we need to treat our grandchildren the way Jesus treats us. That's all I'm talking about. Treat him the same way he treats us. You know, when it comes to when we, we, we fail God, we let him down, we, st- we, we, we completely disobey him, we're obstinate to him. Here's some things he never does. He never yells at us. He never mocks us. He doesn't put us down. He doesn't compare us. He doesn't guilt us or shame us, does he? He, does, he never ignores us or does, he doesn't grade us with some kind of an evangelical report card. He just doesn't do that. Now, you're saying, boy, I wish I'd have heard that a little earlier because I did some of that with my kids. Well, get in line behind us too. We've all fallen short in that area, haven't we? But once we understand what God's heart of grace looks like, that it doesn't operate that way, this is a new chance for us to make sure we never operate that way with our grandchildren and we stop operating that way with our own kids. You see, when it comes right down to it, I think by this time in our life, 
We should be the kindest, most understanding, most patient, and most encouraging people on the globe. And here's why. We've had a front row seat to God's majesty longer than any of them. We've been there. We've seen how he is. And because of how he is and the kind of wonderful God he is, by now it should have tempered our hearts. It, 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 when I'm at a party, and, or, you know, especially if it's a, a party where it's not Christians and, and we're there, and somebody asks me what I do for a living. If you say, well, I'm a minister, there, <laughs> there comes the wet blanket, just wreck this party. So, so sometimes just to mess with people's heads, I'll, I'll say, oh, I'm in the hope business. What? I, I, I'm in the hope business. I, I dispense hope. <laughs> and, and of course, that gets things going. And next thing you know, I can flip my cards. I am a minister. But here's where the hope comes from. It's not, I, I, I can't make it. I, it. It's something I found. And I share with others. But if anybody should be in the hope business, it should be a grandparent. Be because like I said, we've seen it. Up, up close and we have these wonderful assets that we can bring to play on it all like maturity this is a wonderful asset we should have by now and that's a re result of deliberate decision on our part to, uh, to, to think through life and, 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 and act our age we, we, we have another asset of experience we've been around the block many times we've just about seen it all we, real, we know you can raise a family on a shoestring we, we We've done it. We know that no matter how crazy that kid acts, that, that by, they ultimately go to sleep. Now, they may have pushed every button on you, and you do wish that Fisher-Price made a taser. You know, not the big cop thing, but a little baby thing. Not, not something to hurt them, but something to lock them good. And you want to go in there. You know, if you've ever been this as a parent, you know, where that kid has just driven you nuts. And they finally go to sleep. And you want to go into their little bedroom. And you see them there so asleep. And, and you want to put your hand on your little head and say, demon, come out. What is wrong with you? Yeah, they, they, they get to us. But in the process... It, 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 it still changes everything. We have that experience. We have perspective too, shouldn't we? we? Because of what we've been through, and it could be some really bad stuff too, we have perspective. And by now we should know what really matters in life. And we can encourage our children as they're raising our grandchildren not to sweat the things that want to get the best of them. Like maybe an academic setback with one of the kids, or sibling rivalry, or even a, a teenager that's gone rogue on him and, 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 and is rebelling. And I'll tell you one thing that by now, if we haven't figured this out, then we're certainly not paying attention for followers of Christ. That there's a Kool-Aid that this culture is wanting our kids to drink and, 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 and define the way they raise their kids. And it worships four things, wealth, status, power and fame and maybe we drank some of that Kool-Aid ourselves along the way it inundates us this is the messaging of this world and yet by now we should know that those things are you know those are superficial those are not the things that really matter besides that I think another asset we have to bring is assistance to our children and our grandchildren as Darcy said, you know, a, 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 a true greatness in God's mind is a passionate love for Jesus Christ that shows itself in unquenchable love and concern for others. It's an outwardly focused attitude. And, and I love the way Philippians 2, 3, and 4 nails this. 
Uh, look at this verse here. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And that assistance, we, we can give them time to relieve them. And, and, and maybe sometimes we can come alongside and relieve them of the intensity of an unforeseen financial hit or, or, or take the edge off the trauma that occurs when maybe a family breaks up. We can be a sounding board. But, but here's the thing. We gotta be careful when it comes to this role as a sounding board. Uh, we, we, can, we can be there for them to vent frustrations or explore solutions, but we can do more harm than good if we're offering unsolicited advice. You know, this is an easy one to know, whether I should give advice to my kids. Did you want your parents criticizing how you disciplined your kids or didn't discipline your kids? The answer is no. And even if they were right, you would be not inclined to respond to it. And, and you did it wrong some, too. We did. We all got it wrong. So the better thing is we keep our mouths zipped up, we pray like mad, we love them and encourage them, and we earn the right to be trusted, to be turned to, and, 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 and be that sounding board. I, I think we can offer them love with fewer strings attached by now. Especially our grandkids, because think about it, uh, we, we, we have a relationship with them that's unclouded by regrets, right? Uh, and, 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 or mistakes of the past, and it's tempered with forgiveness. We, grandparenting love is, is an unfettered love, some of the best that we can find. And, and it's amazing the heart connection that happens almost immediately between a grandparent and a grandchild. It is, it's almost spooky. Our firstborn child was a little girl named Karis. She was born by C-section like one o'clock in the morning. That's like where it comes up like toast. It pops up right now. And, and, uh, and, and so Darcy was in recovery and, and the baby was in there and I was all dressed in the scrubs and in there to see the baby. Well, there was one other baby born that night. There was only two babies in the nursery. So, so one other baby, but this baby was born, it was over 12 pounds. Now you gotta understand, uh, a 12-pound baby is not twice the size of a 6-pound baby. Our baby is 6 pounds, 10 ounces. It's like four times the size. It's like Jabba the baby. And so here's Karis was here, and I was in the middle of this thing. She was the only baby there. And then he was, uh, this boy was over on, the, uh, on a pallet in the, in the little maternity <laughs> forklift thing, and they were holding him up. And so we're over there. And, and this like in the middle of the night, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm in there just admiring my little girl. And, and there was no... Uh, a tag on her, and so and, and she was all wrapped up like a little burrito. And, I'm, and then all of a sudden, these two elderly people came down the hall, friendly, and, and they came up to the window, and they're, and they're looking at this. And I'm realizing, not my parents. I don't recognize these folks. I know they're not. You know, and, and it, it's the grandparents of that kid, and they were just adoring Karis, and their heart had connected right away to this little girl. I got their attention. <laughs> He's yours. The shock on their face. I mean, it was, it was horrifying. But then, as soon as they realized he's there, it happened. Boom, like that. They connected. And they suddenly, they slipped that and they were just delighted. And this was, this kid, this kid is, God does that for us. And because we have something we can bring to it all. Proverbs 17, 6 says, Grandchildren are the, a crown of the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. 
And so with that in mind, let, let, let me just kind of before, I, I want to give you a job description for, for grandparenting, but, but, but let me, let me uh, do a little cow tipping here, sacred cow tipping before we get into this. Because I, I think that we got to make sure that we don't allow some things out there that are very highly, uh, maybe the reward of our age and maybe um, something that highly regarded by most people to turn around and become a toxic thing. And that's, like, for instance, the empty nest. The empty nest is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. But it doesn't mean we aren't to play a strategic role in our kids' lives and our grandkids' lives. And then retirement. See, I'm not against a person getting a well-deserved break from their work. And if you've handled your money well, that's fine. But it's not supposed to be some senior citizen pig out. We should be leading the way. This should be the most vital uh, quarter of our life. And, 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 and we want to make sure that not only are we trying to do everything we can to reach the next generation, we're not an obstacle for our church trying to reach the next generation either. I'm an, on the elder board of a large uh, mega church in, in the Scottsdale Arizona area and, and what breaks my heart is the main pushback we get on any kind of innovation and change is from people our age it's from our generation and I'm thinking what are you talking about you know, you know we went through the worship wars we finally got through those uh, and, but oh it was ridiculous and I'm thinking, and we even write about this in our book on, on grandparenting, is that, look, we, here, please take this from my heart to yours, delivered in grace. We had our turn to have music that was formatted to our taste at church when we were young. That's why we came to that church. It sounded like what we're listening to on the radio, right? It, 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 you know, we had our turn. It's not our turn now. We should be everything we can to reach the next generation. And, and I don't need to worry about that. If I need my music, it's right here. I can listen to it anytime I want. But I don't want to hold my church hostage on that or other things as we innovate to try and reach the next generation. If you want to know more about uh, how we can play this role out, Darcy and I wrote a book called Extreme Grandparenting, The Ride of Your Life. And, and we also have a video study on it. So if your church does not have a grandparenting track, which probably it doesn't, you can, you can take that home and get some grandparents together and start working on it. And it will really help you develop this outwardly focused attitude on, on grandparenting. And one of the things we go through in there are four wonderful uh, roles that we have. Let me just kind of share those for the remainder of our time together. And, and you'll see that these four roles come right from the heart of God, right from the word of God, and, and, and gives us an incredible opportunity as grandparents. The first role is this, and that is we need, to, we need to be active about giving a blessing to our grandchildren. We need to represent an ongoing blessing to them. That means attaching high value to each child and, and helping them picture a hopeful future. Because here's what's interesting. Kids brought up with a sense of blessing have a higher chance of thriving in the future regardless of whether they end up in a very hostile environment. Conversely, you can bring a kid up uh, you know, without a blessing and put them in an ideal future and they're going to be insecure. 
There's something about our words and how we come alongside them that gives them a sense that, okay, everything's going to be okay. And one of the best ways to be uh, an ongoing blessing to them is to use our words and our actions to meet these three core needs that they have. They all need to know that they're secure. They all need to know that they're significant. They have intrinsic value. They all need to know they, they are strong and sufficient for the moment they're in. And, 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 and let me give you some words to add to those to help us out. When, when, when we're agents of helping build a secure love into them, a significant purpose into them, a strong hope into them, it's amazing how they can, the role we can play, even if they're... Their family, their, 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 the family that they're in might even have some stresses. We can help offset those. I love what Proverbs 10, 7 says. The memory of the righteous will be a blessing. And so how we lived out in their life, we may be dead and gone someday, but we can still be helping them take on life and make a difference. Now, we can't be blessing givers if they sense that they're an afterthought in our lives. You know, we, 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 we can't be blessing givers if they sense we only want to interact with them when it's convenient to us or it fits into our, 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 our life comfortably and doesn't require any sacrifice. We have gotten, since we wrote our book, Extreme Grandparent, we've got some very sad emails, many, many of them over the, over the past few years from parents that say, I don't get it. I don't understand what we did wrong. I mean, my, my, our, our parents live right here in our town. They hardly ever want to see our kids. We, we, uh, we ask them to, to maybe watch them, and they, they always have something else, and, 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 and they, they, they don't interact. We don't get it. What, 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 what should we do? And, and I'm thinking, you, ma, uh, Grandma Grandpa, you don't understand. This is not just an opportunity you're missing. This is a responsibility you're neglecting. God calls us to these generational uh, callings, and we've got to be, we've got to pay attention and step up, and it isn't always convenient. Now, I'm not saying that the kids can use us like a doormat and take advantage of us. There's obvious legitimate boundaries there, but the fact is that we, should, you know, they can't be just some kind of a footnote. They've got to be an active part. You know, I, I find that when, when you think about life, one of the best uses of life is love. And one of the best ways to show love is give people time. And the best time to love somebody is now. Because we don't know what tomorrow looks like and how much time we have. You know, um, and you know, another way we can be a blessing to our kids is pray for them every day for our grandkids. Darcy and I lift our grandkids up before we get out of bed. Before, when the alarms go off, we just pull each other close, uh, you know, spoon together, and then we just hand that whole day to God, and then we hand them by name to God. And we can tailor it to what the unique needs are. And you keep pictures of them in your Bible, on your phone, on your refrigerator. And pray for their faith journey. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I love this. I have been, Paul talking to Timothy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. Now, it's hard to be a blessing if we're boring, Right? Now, we, we will never be them, and we can't keep up, but, but you know, I think our generation is anything but boring. I think we know how to uh, have a, a good time and keep life exciting, too. Uh, uh, we can be cool and hip and fun without having to dress like a teenager and act immature. Let them uh, dress like teenagers and act mature, immature because they're teenagers. 
Now, one, one of the ways we can undermine our role as blessing givers is to show favoritism. Now, now sometimes we're closer to some grad kids just because we live closer to them. We see them more often. We understand that. But even though some of those kids are distant, we need to love them all with the same intensity. And, and, and that includes not just the biological ones, but the stepchildren and the adopted children, the special needs children. You know, you know when I hear grandparents, they, they favor the, 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 the blood lineage, but they ignore the others. I say, come on, Jesus said, do unto others as you would do unto you. If you were that, that kid that would uh, graft it in here through a second marriage, would you like to be ignored by his grandparents? No, no, no. The cool thing is, is when all these children represent a chance for us to expand our sphere of love and multiply our opportunity to show grace. Let me give you the second job description. And that is, we, we, our, our second role we have is to bear a torch. To bear a torch. To be a steady light that illuminates their path. Now the best parallel to this, and I know Larry loves to use this concept, is like the torch they hold up at the Olympics. And I don't know whether any of you have gotten a chance to carry the Olympic torch. I, I have not. But that would be an incredible honor. But if I ever got a chance to, to carry the Olympic torch, and then pass it, take it from one person, pass it on, Here's what I'd be thinking all the time. Whatever you do, Kimmel, don't fall. Don't drop this thing. Don't let this thing go out. And, and so we want to hold it high. Matthew chapter 5, 14, 16 says, You're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, one of the main ways we want to bear that light is we want to be torchbearers of the gospel to our grandchildren. And how do we do this? We can read books to them. And there's some wonderful tools out here for you to, to get. And you can read an in, in age-graduated thing to help you read the story of the gospel to them. And, and you sing songs to them. Take them to church. Help them get to camp. Those are all wonderful things. But the best way... We can expose them to the gospel is treating them the way Christ treats us. Be emissaries of what the gospel looks like coming at them every time they're in contact with us. Being filled with grace and gentle towards them, long-suffering and patient. And when it comes to being the torchbearer of the gospel to our grandchildren, pay close attention to this, please. We must remember one very important thing. We must trust the Holy Spirit to draw them to himself on his timetable. This means hold the torch up. It doesn't mean chase them around with it. You know, to some grandkids, they, they, they don't look forward to going to grandma and grandpa's house because it's just this big evangelical ambush. And we just want to make sure that they pray to prayer. And I think our, your inten our intentions may be well, but they become misguided and can do a lot of harm. A lot of, some Christians' idea of, of being the light of the world is like the high beams of a car on a deer at night. You know, first it blinds them, and then it runs them down. We can't do that. We just need to represent, be that light to them. Ex let them be exposed in God's time. And don't worry, about the whole, because salvation is not a work of a grandparent or a parent. It's, a work, it's not the work of a preacher. It's a work of, 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 of the Holy Spirit through the, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he knows, and he'll draw them in. And, and, and then I think we can be a strong light to them when, when they go prodigal. And, and, and we want to we be people that never give up on them. 
But we hold up a brighter light when we don't live in the past, so much so that we're irrelevant in the present. Resist the temptation to live a spiritually cloistered life. Resist it. That is out of Satan's playbook, not God's. Insulated from the very people who need God's grace. You know, a, a, a spiritually comfortable life often leads to spiritual cynicism. And, 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 and it's easy to become critical of fads and the idiosyncrasies of an age group. Worse, a cloistered, safe Christian life often breeds an attitude of condemnation of people caught in the clutches of the lost world. And many times there are very grandkids. Now it's hard for a grandchild to feel a sense of blessing when they hear condemnation, criticism, put down coming from us. If, if we were all to say, if we had to summarize the gospel in one verse and, and, and point to it in the Bible, which one would we go to? What's, what's the best one? John 3.16. But what we don't realize is John 3.16 is, is not the whole statement. John 3.17 goes with, we know what John 3.16 says, how God loves us so much, and he gave his only son, we believe, so forth. But look, but the punchline of it all is in John 3.17, and here's what it says. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So we can't be people that are cynical and critical. We want to be blessing givers and torch bearers. Third thing is we want to set a standard for moral living. The, the, the third role is setting a standard. And, and uh, setting a standard for moral living in an immoral world. We were first introduced to a GPS many, many years ago in a rental car. That they weren't standard features on our phones and stuff. And we got such a kick out of this thing. And Darcy got it all programmed in. And then she decided, hey, we, we were going up through the middle of California. She said, hey, let's go stop in a Starbucks. But as soon as we went off course, I mean, they started saying recalculating, recalculating. And we got such a kick out of it. But as we learn more, it, it takes two satellites minimum to do that. But many times there's four. And, and what they're doing is they're, they're, and the more satellite, the more they can pinpoint it. We're like those satellites. We're up there. We've been through it all. We have a bigger perspective, but we can see down and help them. Now, obviously, a standard is only as good as it is accurate. I once lost seven pounds in one day simply by replacing my bathroom scales. <laughs> and although I was excited, I started wondering, okay, now are these accurate or... The ones I just, and so I actually carried him to my doctor's office because his is calibrated, you know, scientifically all. And, and, and I found out that his were right and mine were wrong. You know, with so many things giving our grandchildren false readings and measurements around them, it's nice when they have someone they know they can depend on. And that's why the role of a standard setter is so crucial. Because our grandchildren are growing up in a culture that is jettisoned clear moral absolutes. The worldview that surrounds them embraces relativism, pluralism, multiculturalism, spiritual curiosity, and a general ignorance of the Bible. Look at Psalm 92, verse 12 and so forth. The righteous will still bear fruit in their old age. They will stay fresh and green proclaiming, the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no wickedness in him. They need to have some people they know they can always get that kind of a reading off of no matter how crazy their world is. I, 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 I remember in the, reading the beginning of John Steinbeck's incredible book, The Grapes of Wrath. And it was about these, these poor uh, um, um, farmers in 
Oklahoma and Arkansas. They didn't own the land. They just worked it. But they would get these huge storms coming up. And, and they'd come across and they could do incredible damage to the crops and all. And these storms would blow sometimes for days and you just had to stay inside. And, and everyone would be frightened and all. But they finally go out and when the storm comes out and they, and they go out and, and it, said, it said the children would slip out very carefully and all. But, but then what they would do is they'd look to the eyes of the adults. They'd look to them to see do we need to be worried or not. And no matter what's going on in our world, they're looking to us to know that they, can, that they, they, they are safe. Because our world is in crisis with terrorism, political polarization, cataclysmic disasters, economic meltdowns. There was just one after another. And our kids need to look to us and know that we're not worried. Now listen, I think there's a fear-based culture right now in our country. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be the last person afraid of just about anything. And I'm not kidding. Do you know that of all the pieces of advice God gave in the Bible, if you categorize them, you know he said more than anything else is don't be afraid. And our, our, when there's so many things to be afraid of, they need to look to us and see people that are calm. And, and I think it's easier to do that if we don't let cable news and talk radio do our thinking for us. These, these, these agents of information are designed to keep us paranoid, afraid, and angry. That's how they thrive. And we got to be very careful here because the generation that's looking at us, when they hear the cynicism and the constant polarization and the nastiness and the, and, and the rancor, they, they don't want to hear anything more from us. We're scaring the kids. We don't, they, you know, no matter how bad it is, it's been far worse. And it doesn't matter how bad it gets, God's in control. I love the nickname that Jesus gave himself in the Bible. Because John, you know, was writing, a, uh, he appeared to John on the island of Patmos to write the revelation, you know, it's the last chapter of the story, which by the way, read this at the end of the book. We win. <laughs> and, and he said, write this down, John. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. That was the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, just like A and Z. Basically, you say, John, write this down. I'm the God who had the first word, and I'm the one who's going to have the last one. And then he unpacks it and shows that he is in control. They need to see this in this. The fourth, the fourth wonderful part of our role is to leave a legacy. To leave a legacy. And when it comes to legacies, none of us have a choice of whether we're leaving one. We're all leaving one. We only have a choice of what kind. We can leave a legacy of hope and grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. Or we can leave a legacy of paranoia, indifference, irrelevance, or regret. But God has done a wonderful work for us on the cross. He sent his son to put it all on the line for us. And we need to let what Christ did for us now take its rightful place and, and become those agents of grace for them. And one of the ways I think to leave a strong legacy is stay engaged in the front lines of the cause of the kingdom. Don't allow yourself to go into the comfort zones of the Christian movement. Stay out there in the front. Stay engaged and stay engaged with intergenerations. And, 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 and another way is I think we need to leave clear tracks for them to follow. When I was eight years old, we lived in uh, northern PA, where you lived, and uh, my, I was up, overstaying with uh, Pap and, uh, and Grandma for a few days, and a bad blizzard came in. But Pap wanted to get down and see my uncle, 
And he was taking me with him. He bundled me all up with the weight. The, the, the drifts were so high, I couldn't possibly get, but he just plowed his way through them. And then I could just stay right behind him. And, and, and our grandchildren need that, especially when things are so hostile around them. And they're more, our grandchildren are more apt to, res, to want to respond to our love and leadership when it is delivered within an atmosphere of grace. And we'll stop there on that very important point. Uh, the word grace, as a matter of fact, which is really what Tim is all about. Uh, that was Tim Kimmel speaking at the 2017 Legacy Grandparenting Summit. Larry, uh, Tim covered a lot of ground, as I mentioned. He he talks fast, and so you yeah. got to be on your toes when you're listening because uh, there's a lot of good points. Any any highlights to jump out as you uh, uh, listen to what Tim had to say? Well, I think. I'm sure that this was what he was trying to highlight more than anything else. And that is the idea of grace in our grandparenting. And he he illustrated that so many different ways. In fact, uh, Wayne, I think that we ought to coin a new word. I think that we ought to be called grace parents rather than grandparents. (laughs) I don't know why, whoever came up with the word grand, I suppose that's (laughs) centuries ago that somebody said, okay, the, once once you get past a parent, you're a grandparent. But um, I just like grace parent. I think that's what we ought to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, Tim mentions that as we get older, you know, that we, uh, I don't know if it's like, you know, we mellow out or something, you know, but his his point is as we as we get older, you know, we should become the kindest, most encouraging people on the planet. And uh, um and uh, and he, he gives a number of examples of that. But that's not always the case. You know, sometimes, in fact, I've always feared that uh, as I got older, I'd just become a grumpy old man, you know, but <laughs> but uh, it, it's something well, we all have to battle against. But he really said, says, you know, as we get older, we should become more and more filled with grace, especially towards our grandkids. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think I need to be reminded of that often, although I say things like that quite regularly. It's a little harder to, to live it out all the time. I, you know, it made me think of my mom. My mom, when we were newly married, would tell my wife, Diane, what she thought on a lot of issues. And my wife was Diane, she was, she was just real gracious in accepting it, but it made her not feel as close to my mom as, um, as she would have liked or if I would have liked. And then as my mom got older, we just watched her mellow out and, and, you know, she got a lot less critical, especially as she got into her last years. Uh, she just became this sweet, gentle thing. And and it really enabled us to have a much more closer relationship with her toward the yeah. end. Well, I've always um, felt like as we get older, you know, we get, you know, as you get older, you get worse at a lot of lot of stuff. You know, I mean, I'm um, physically, you just lose a step in just about everything. You just can't do all the things that you used to do, and sometimes that can be real discouraging. But um, but I've really come to realize as as, uh, as we age that we can also get better in some areas. And, and this is yes. one of the areas yeah. where we yeah. can get better. We can get better in being more grace-filled. You know, I love what Tim said. He, he, he put it in the category of, of sacred cow tipping. But um, 
he he mentioned that retirement is not a senior citizen pig out, and grandparents should not be obstacles for young people who are uh, coming up behind us in the church. And sometimes they are. You know, I was for years uh, generations pastor was my title at uh, at the church where I served, and uh, one of my uh-huh. goals was to help. Um. Uh, you know, help bring the generations together. And sometimes uh, while the kids were all in favor of that, because they really, I think kids really do want to be around older people who who uh, treat them well and uh, treat them with grace. Uh, but a lot of the older people were pushing back. You know, they just didn't want the kids uh, involved in, in their world. And I thought that was really sad. And, and uh uh, what Tim is saying is, is, is you know, we had our turn, and it's time now for us to hand over, uh, you know, the tools, you know, all the the things that God has given us yes. to the yes, next generation, exactly. and encourage yeah. them. And uh, you know, Tim says, "I'm in the hope business. I'm not. I'm not going to throw an obstacle. I'm not going to uh, become a, a problem for our kids who are coming up trying to to do what we used to do or what we are still doing." Well, I have a theory about that, and that is that in in many churches, when there is a focus on young people, uh, the grandparents in the in the crowd, uh, especially those of the, maybe the older grandparents, don't feel connected so much to that vision as they ought to, and 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 I believe that talking about it in terms of family relationships ought to help that. In other words. Um, if you have an older person in the church and by older, I mean, anybody over 50 really that doesn't have any connection with any of the kids in the youth group and they all uh, they're just kids. They don't know. They're not so likely to have a passion for them as they are. If we're talking about grandkids, because they're then we're talking about children and long, uh, young people that they not only know, but they really love. And certainly every grandparent wants to see their own grandchildren reach for God and to see them grow up to follow God. And so I think that even talking about grandparenting helps us in the context of the local church to to uh, align more with the the objectives of the church to reach out. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've, I've wondered if maybe it would help, you know, uh, to to teach some of the older people in our church that every kid that they see in the whether they're in the children's department or the youth groups uh uh those are somebody's grandkids uh, they may not be your grandkids but they're somebody's grandkids yeah. and there are some grandparents who are praying yeah. for those grandkids that they would uh take an interest in uh in in the tr- in the things of of uh, the kingdom and uh, get involved in the church and have some mentors who would who would uh help them to become disciples and and we can be part of that whole process even if our own grandkids are not there um physically that we can look at it that way so in that respect i think maybe uh you know you're right i mean helping and we did that at our church we we tried to to do some classes on grandparenting and part of it was aimed at helping uh, by helping grandparents understand their own grandkids, we were also helping the grandparents uh, understand some of the other students who were in the church because uh, they were the same age in many cases. Well, 
Well, let me tell you a, a real personal story that just happened that that's a real answer to prayer in this regard of what we're talking about. Diane and I have a step-granddaughter and she lives in the eastern half of the U.S. and and uh, she has two little girls. Um, so we're we are actually, you know, great grandparents. I would say very young great grandparents, but <laughs> but uh, but we've been praying hard that uh, there would be some Christians that would come into her life, and and that would really love on her. And two Sundays ago, Wayne, she went to church because she was invited by a family at her daughter's preschool. Yeah. And she went to church and the church loved on her and, and uh, she went back again Sunday. And so she's now ba- starting to go back to church. We're so thrilled with that. Yeah. But we wonder if the people in the church, they have any idea <laughs> that there are grandparents clear on the other side of the world that have been praying that uh, for that situation. And they are the answer to our prayers. Yeah. Uh, the, here are two little girls in that church that are being highly, highly prayed for by grandparents that are hundreds of miles away. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's why it's so important. I think for, um, and and Tim talks about this, you know, he talks about how um, in in his whole leave a legacy point that he makes there towards the end of his talk, that uh, grandparents should stay engaged on the front lines of the kingdom. Uh, by being intergenerational in their thinking and to be thinking about not just themselves and their own cohort, but but um, coming alongside young people. And we can be the, the answers to somebody else's prayers. You know, one other uh, point that I just thought I'd mention, because I, I, I thought it was a really good illustration by Tim, is he, he mentioned uh, John Steinbeck's uh, uh, grapes of wrath the illustration that the children during the devastation of the of the dust bowl and all of that that uh, the children would look to the eyes of the adults to see whether or not the the adults were uh, worried or not and uh, if the adults were doing okay then they were doing okay and sure. um, and he kind of ties that in with how sometimes um, you know, we are not setting that example for our, our grandkids, you know, especially when, we, you know, we were growing up in this uh, culture, these culture wars, you know, where the media tries to instill fear and division and polarization and anxiety. And a lot of people are are feeling that these days. Well, our kids need to see stability. They need to see people who have the peace of God in their lives. And uh, uh, Tim says, we should be the last person in the world to be afraid of anything after what we've known and what we've seen and, and because of our relationship with Christ. And that's, that's a big part, I think, of what he's talking about here when he talks about grace-based grandparenting. Well, that's a wonderful, wonderful focus. And um, thank, thank you, Tim Kimmel, for your ministry over the years and for blessing us at the at the previous Legacy Grandparenting Summits. We certainly will have him back again sometime, won't we, Wayne? Absolutely. And In fact, uh, it was just a scheduling kind of mess up that uh, didn't allow it this year, but we're going to have Tim back. We are, though, going to, uh, at at the summit, uh, uh, give them a chance by video to uh, tell us all about their new uh, grace-based 
grandparenting curriculum that's just come out. But um, uh, we're getting closer uh, to the uh, conference. Our our summit conference, the 2021 Legacy Grandparenting Summit, is uh, just a few weeks away. And our speakers uh, are going to include uh, Josh Mulvihill, Kevin Harper, John Stone Street, Reggie Joyner, Kara Powell, Rob Reno, uh, Ken Davis, and Ken is, you know, Ken Davis is such a great speaker. And um, I just talked with him this morning and he is, uh, he is so excited about coming back. And he says, uh, I'm going to do a good job for you. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm all there this year. And I said, well, that's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. The Isaacs are going to come and sing Scott Wesley Brown, Fernando Ortega. And, um, and we just need to have uh, a lot more grandparents register and uh, so the information is on the LegacyCoalition.com website. Uh, you can, it's real easy to find. Just register uh, for either our uh, live site, which is in Birmingham, or at any of uh, more than 100 other locations all over the country where you can have the same experience with some other grandparents and attend this year's uh 2021 Legacy Grandparenting Summit. So we hope everybody will go right now to their, if they haven't already, uh, to their computer or smartphone or whatever they use to do that kind of stuff and get registered. Any other uh, Legacy Coalition news there, Larry? Well, uh, this last weekend has been a real encouragement for me because I've had the opportunity to hear from just a number of grandparents. You know, personal stories are always so encouraging, but I've heard from a number of how much they have improved their grandparenting just by participating in the free resources we have, you know, listening to the podcast, participating in grand Monday nights. And, and, and then uh, when they, when they come across something that is, that is really kind of tough to overcome, then we have even more resources to help them books and different things like that, uh, blogs and videos and um, it's just been a blessing to see that uh, those that are involved in our ministry are meeting the needs of grandparenting and casting the vision for raising the bar of Christian grandparents. So we're just excited by the way God is blessing and opening doors for us. And I would add, too, from what you just said, yeah, uh, boy, plan to be a part of the Legacy Grandparenting Summit. It, we've been waiting two years for this one because of COVID, and now the time is almost here. And we're looking forward to an amazing time of blessing. And we know that everybody that attends will be blessed. But there's going to be a lot of grandparents, Wayne, like in the past, who, who are not only blessed. I mean, they're, they're, they are changed. It changes them in their grandparenting. It changes them for the, all the future. Uh, they really get a, a vision for their potential to impact grandkids. So. Yeah, we want to see everybody take advantage of this opportunity. Well, that wraps up uh, Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. Until next time, this is Wayne Rice and Larry Fowler saying so long and praying that you have a great week of intentional Christian grandparenting.